Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your host for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, the ups and the downs of the entrepreneur, and giving us a look at the person behind the business and hearing about the successes and failures. Isla and I find that so totally fascinating. Today, we're diving into a topic that's so many elements to it. And a 40-minute podcast, sadly, is not going to scratch the surface, but let's give it a go. We're going to be talking about the future of our planet, particularly from a business point of view. But first, we'll hear how our guest started out his career with a degree in accountancy and finance and ended up finding his passion and purpose somewhere else. There's a lot to pack in. Isla, who's in the guest seat? Thank you, Lisa. I'm delighted to announce we have Martin White joining us today on the Business Diaries. Thank you, Isla. Lovely to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. Hi, Martin. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Before Martin shares his story, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him. Martin started his early career in marketing, working in large advertising agencies in London as a suit, as he describes it, and thereafter in-house at Unilever. His business experience is wide-ranging, and he thrives on mutually beneficial commercial relationships. Today, he runs an hour-long bi-weekly business radio show, or BizConnect, showcasing the very best of Kent's business talent, and Green Business Hub, a digital media and marketing platform dedicated to informing businesses and encourage them to adopt more sustainable practices and choices. Welcome to the show, Martin, if you're ready. Please share your story. Lovely. Well, thanks again, uh, Isla and Lisa. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll try and make this as interesting as I can. I mean, it's, it's certainly made me think back on my sort of early career in particular, I guess. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I started life working as a suit um, in advertising agencies in in London. Um, and my, I guess my first proper role as I call it or my first real kind of meaty role with 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 responsibility was the day-to-day running of um all the launch marketing and ongoing marketing comms for Eurotunnel the shuttle um back in the mid-90s and I I was 25 at the time so uh very fresh-faced um and I should I guess explain what 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 the role of the suit actually was um and it's very much the sort of the the primary uh, client contact if you like and an agency representative day-to-day um on a particular account so that involves for example taking client briefs um turning them into creative briefs for the agency to action presenting the resulting work from that brief and debriefing the creative team which was uh, an interesting process at times uh, writing contact reports, um, scheduling production meetings, uh, and ultimately delivering the work on time and and, and on budget. So it was actually quite a, a pressurised environment, um, but I didn't really know any different because um, I, you know, that's kind of how I started my career. So I guess for me that was that was the kind of the norm, if you like, in terms of my 
my day to day. But typically, for example, you know, we'd be delivering um, around about 150 grand's worth of um, national press advertising every week um, on behalf of, of Le Chattel. So we'd be advertising in all the all the kind of the broadsheets and the tabloids on a kind of weekly basis, as well as, you know, looking after things like their loyalty program. Um, we did a lot of direct marketing in terms of direct mail. Uh, we also did press inserts, door drops. So it really was a sort of a a very kind of um, integrated account, if you like, on that level. Um, and it was it was a very colourful life um, and, and lifestyle, ultimately, I guess. And, you know, entertaining clients um, was a key part of the job uh, and regularly sort of meant spending a good few hours after work, whining and dining. Um, and, you know, back then we were all quite young. Um, you know, the agency team, the client team, you know, we were all sort of mid-20s, no older than 30. Um, and, and so going out and having a great time, to the, you know, until the wee small hours was was all part of the job, um, especially if you had a, a a nice healthy expense account, which I did. <laughs> um, and, and we used to travel quite regularly on business as well. And I remember, uh, you know, one night in particular, taking a group of, of clients to the Moulin Rouge in Paris for a night out and one of my clients, the European advertising manager for Oracle at the time, was was a real wine buff, and um, and you know he, he was um, all over the the vintage wine and champagne menu, shall we say, at the Moulin Rouge. I mean, the food there's terrible, but um, <laughs> the wine list is incredible. So you know that that was a cracking night out, and you know again looking back, this was a really important part of of, of building. You know, building the client relationship, um, you know, and, and for us all to be able to kind of let off steam, um, if you like, after a sort of sustained period of of meeting deadlines and, and delivering campaigns, um, you know, but I mean, I, I stayed in some of the world's most fabulous hotels. I mean, I stayed at the Adlon in Berlin on a on a trip there once. I used to stay in Paris at a hotel called the the St. James, which is just off Plastic de Hugo, which is a real sort of boutique hotel where the, the Formula One teams like to stay when they're visiting the FIA. So, you know, it, it was it was a sort of um, uh, no expense spared kind of, um, you know, very cosseted kind of lifestyle, if you like, when you were traveling on, on business. Um, but I guess, you know, relationship skills, building trust, respect, um, you know, managing expectations, conflict avoidance, organisational skills were all kind of key in making a success of my 10 years in the advertising business. And, and they're very much skills that I use every day today running my own business. Um, and they're very much sort of core to my purpose, if you like, and, and the delivery of, of our service as, as Green Business Hub to our clients. Um so I guess, you know, when it comes down to it, my, my advice to other business owners, perhaps starting their, their, their journey, their business journey, would be to, to draw on, on your experience to date. Um, you know, it's quite likely that there will be a common theme, for example, running through your career as there, as there is with mine. Um, but also remember that, you know, nobody likes to be sold to. So, you know, when you take your business into the world, um, it's important that you have a a story to tell that builds your credibility 
uh, and resonates ultimately with your audience. Um, and I think as business owners, we all have a unique opportunity to define our business purpose or our why, if you like. And it really is our opportunity to bring what motivates and drives us into our into our business proposition. And I think, you know, there's also um, a saying that, that people buy from people. Um, and I think differentiating your business from everyone else is is going to be a critical part of 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 your your business success and bringing your story into that therefore is 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 vital there um you know if you think about sort of service-based industries like hospitality travel marketing accountancy legal trades financial consultancy you know i could go on um you know a lot of, of the, the value add um that, that that service companies produce is 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 intangible you know it's about customer service it's about management advice ideas you know knowledge design experience um, and it's how you how you communicate your why in doing what you do as a as a sort of a a job if you like that will help you stand out um and i and i think you need to think about what matters to you and and also your employees your staff if you have any um, and you need to think in terms of of your higher purpose if you like and it's not just about selling a product or service um, you know companies need to have some kind of meaningful or, or higher objective um, if you like they not not all do sadly and in particularly you know in in, in larger corporations they are still incredibly you know, sales driven. Um, but, you know, typically this, this, this will tie in with motivating your, your, your employees, customers um, and other stakeholders by contributing directly or indirectly to tackling, you know, societal or economic or environmental challenges. And that's very much the kind of the, the space that, that, that I'm in at the moment. And, you know, we, had, we used to have something called corporate social responsibility and now we have something called environmental social governance. Um, and and you know that's very much the kind of the, the 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 buzzword in terms of strategy today. I think for for organisations, certainly larger ones. Um, and there's some great examples out there. I mean, I, I've started working with um, East Kent College Group recently, and and they're obviously one of the largest higher education providers in Kent. Um, and and their purpose statement is you know taking a leading role for East Kent in developing the economic and social prosperity of the communities we serve. And to me, that says that, you know, East Kent College groups sit very much at the heart of their local community uh, and aware of, of, of the important responsibility as a service provider that they have in delivering the future prosperity of that community in terms of jobs um, and, and wealth creation, for example. Um, and and as, as Lisa said, I trained you know, as an accountant at university, and I've got a BA honours in accountancy and finance, but ultimately took a very career, a very different career path. So for me, it's about following your, your intuition um, and letting this guide you in, in, in what you do and how you think about your why when you go into, when you go into business. And I think, you know, it's important to remember that, that your business is exactly that. Um, and if you don't believe in what you do with a passion, um, and, a, and a real sense of purpose, then nobody else will. Thank you, Martin. That, that's so interesting to hear about your early career. I'm wondering if you're still up for a networking event at the Moulin Rouge. Do you have the energy these days? I'm not sure I do, but... 
I think I think I'd probably have one less glass of champagne and and, and retire slightly earlier, Lisa. Yeah, an earlier night. I mean, it sounded fab. I mean, what a, you know, a, a pressurized, um, fast-paced life, but totally fun along the way. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So the younger Martin started out as a suit in advertising, and then you kind of worked your way through sort of different all sorts of different paths and ended up running a small business. How different do you find the change from corporate to small business owner? Was it majorly different or did you find, you know, lots of similarities? Well, I, th- I think, as I said, you know, the skill set um, is 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 equally relevant. You know, uh, whether whether it was it was sort of working in large, you know, creative agencies or, you know, running my own business. And I think that that is that sort of common theme and common thread that I that I was talking about. But in mm. terms of, um, you know, the 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 responsibilities ultimately and 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 the pressures, I think they are they are fundamentally quite different. And mm. you know, as 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 an employee, you get paid a salary each month. Uh, you know, for for turning up to work, you know, nine to five, five days a week. Um, as a business owner, there is no salary. Uh, you know, you, you have to create um, that income stream um, mm. off your own back, and you have to you have to go into the marketplace um, and create a business opportunity that's going to deliver, uh, you know, an income stream that's going to enable you to live ultimately. And and so I think you know, on a fundamental level, the pressure is 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 completely different, um, and quite often. Obviously, it's your own money that's on the line as well. You know, you've put money into starting a business, whether it's, you know, creating a, a you know, a, a, a digital platform like we have with Green Business Hub or, you know, buying tools to go out and work as a plumber or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, Managing know, the old cash flow is, is a whole job yeah. in itself, isn't it, really? But it's your money. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's very, you know, when, when I worked, when I started my career, you know, it, it didn't matter whether I was at Unilever or, or working in, in ad agencies. Um, you know, I, I was very good at spending other people's money. Um, you know, when, when it's your own, when it's your own money, it's a bit On different. vintage champagne. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think, you know, the pressure is, 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 is fundamentally different. Uh, but I do think, you know the the kind of the core skills that 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 you've built up um, through your career. Um, you know, they definitely are, are, transfer, don't they? Yeah, they're equally relevant. You know, in either yeah. case. Yeah, and I, I think the one of the core things about running your own business is clearly it, it is all about you. You know, you the person, and often you're you're on your on your own, and you have to make your own decisions and. You, you talked in your in in your story about the skills that you learned throughout your career, the importance of building trust, respect, the managing expectations, and the conflict avoidance, mm. and how that all comes together. You know, when you when you are running your own business, and mm. and that importance of the passion and purpose, and how valuable and important it is to trust your intuition. Mm. I guess particularly when you're running your own business. Yeah. Yeah. So how has that helped you, Martin? You know, trusting you. You've talked about the importance of passion and purpose. Yeah, and trusting your intuition. How, how have the, has that helped you over the years? Yeah, I guess you know when when you start out in life, um, you know it, it's all kind of bright lights, and uh, I, I think 
certainly in my case, um, it, you know, it was very much about kind of material things, if you like. Um, I mean, I had a, a, a Mazda, <laughs> I had a, a red Mazda MX-5 convertible, you know, at the age of 25 as a company car. Mm. Um, and that, that really was what my life was all about. You know? That mattered then, didn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that was the car back then, believe me. You know, if you had a an MX-5 in London, you know, um, you you kind of really made it. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, and, and then you, you know, you, you find yourself kind of chasing a, a rainbow in many ways in terms of, you know, well, I earn this now and next year I want to earn that. And, I, and then ultimately I want to get to this and, um, and and it kind of it dominates your life in 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 many ways. It it kind of steers you. It it kind of makes career decisions for you. Um, you know, as opposed to you kind of making decisions for you, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, you're you're driven by money. You're driven by materialistic things. Mm. But that doesn't guess, last, does it? At that, I mean, you're saying uh, in the beginning that was the materialistic things, so like when you're 25, and of course, yeah. that's what we all think. We think we're earning our own money, and yes. we can get all these flashy things. But of course, that changes. Yeah, I mean, we all time. mature, don't we? We, you yeah. know, with with life experience, with you know, people have children, or you know, what you know, they they have sort of you know, life changing events like that. Mm. And and I guess it sort of makes you reassess what what is actually important, um, mm. and and that for me is is where the whole kind of purpose thing kicks in. Um, you know, it's important for you to understand, I think, as an individual, what matters to you. Mm. Um, and, and that intuition thing as well is that that yes, that gut don't feeling, find that. Yeah, that's that's so important, isn't it? And it's it it's so important. interesting where you sometimes you just realize you get up in the morning and you've just got this feeling mm. and every bone in your body is telling you not to do something or it doesn't sit well with you yeah and you know sometimes you don't know why that is and you think yeah. well it's just a so-and-so or it's just a meeting or you know or I'm not going to commit to it I'll just find it but it's all telling you no no mm-hmm. don't go there and yeah and sometimes and you a... look back and that it was right yeah Particularly if you're 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 a business owner, you know, and and as I say, you need to, you know, you need to take your business at some point into the kind of the big wide world, um, and you need to be able to talk about it, mm. and you know, and the the person on on you know on the other end of that conversation has to believe in you ultimately. You know, there has to be something in there in 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 what you say in your story that resonates with them, um, mm. that kind of sets you apart from. You know, from the other guy in the networking room that's just kind of thrust their business card into your hand, you know, um, yeah. and told you what they do and and shown and no interest. Away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and shown no interest in what you do. And, you know, it's that old adage, isn't it, that, you know, you have two ears and one mouth. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, that that that's the key to it. And then, you know, on the back of that, you know, the people for me that... that um, that have that real kind of sense of purpose are the people that would go away from that meeting um, and connect you with someone that actually could be really useful to your yeah. business yeah. without asking for anything in return. Yeah. They've listened to what you've said. They've understood what you're trying to achieve and they volunteered their time after the meeting to connect you with somebody in their network that, that, that can help you. Mm. And that's the difference, you know, because yes. so often... 
and you know whether it's online or, or you know in a physical networking kind of context you, you really just meet people that just want to hand out business cards and you know you, you get home after a meeting like that and the first thing you do is you just throw them in the bin Mm. Um, and they still don't understand that, that that's what's going on. You know, I mean, I went to a networking uh, recently and they had a, a list of attendees. Um, and the number of emails I've had on the back of that from people I didn't even meet on the day who uh, just just have no relevance uh, for me, um, you know, in, in a kind of business context. Mm. And, you know, you, you just find yourself getting kind of spammed by, by cold, cold mm. calling or cold emails. Yeah. Mm. And that, that, that's not, that's not how it's done, I'm afraid. No, I mean, yeah. we're all humans, aren't we? We want to be, as you say, you know, as you said in your talk, we don't want to be sold to, we, we no. want to build a relationship. And just taking you back to what you were saying about story and purpose, I'd yeah. like to, um, Quiz your brains, really, about what was the trigger that prompted you to set up the Green Business Hub? Mm. Well, you know, very much um, uh, a sort of a a heightened awareness, if you like, that the way we are all living our lives today, um, it simply isn't sustainable. Um, I mean, I used to get on the road um, at sort of six o'clock in the morning to go to a networking event at Dartford, for example. Mm. And my whole journey would be nose to tail driving up the M2 with, you know, similar people who were making their way to work, mm. whether it was in the city or or wherever it was. Um and I think, you know, particularly pre-COVID, li- literally just before COVID broke and we all went into lockdown, I had a real sense that um, things were actually running out of control. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not someone that kind of suffers from angst or, uh, you know, that those, those kinds of, um, you know, worries. But I really did have a sense one morning driving up that motorway thinking, yeah, we, we can't carry on like this. You know, where, where's where's this all where's this all going? And then, lo and behold, literally, uh, that was probably pre-Christmas. A couple of months later, we were all in lockdown, mm. and and life stopped. Mm. And and I think you know one of the kind of the the the, the real kind of benefits. I mean, you know, it's wrong to wrong to call it that, but one of the positives, if you like, that's come out of yeah. Of, of COVID is it's made us all reassess our lives, I think, to a large extent, um, you know, in, in terms of finding a more sustainable balance, you know, on a, in, in our personal and, and, and work lives. Mm. Do you think there's been a shift in environmental attitudes since the, the pandemic? Do you think everybody else sort of thought, hang on a minute? Well, I think climate change was was very much a sort of a very, a very hot topic pre pre-covid anyway i think it, it sadly it, it kind of largely got put on hold during covid although you know obviously one of the benefits of being in lockdown meant that you know there was significantly less air pollution for example and less yeah, and less yeah. co2 emissions and yeah. you know if you looked at, I, I remember seeing a picture of northern italy you know around um yes, Milan, I for example, yeah. you know, which is one of the, the most sort of polluted industrial areas of, of western europe 
and it, and it virtually sort of cleared up, you know, under COVID. It was yeah. it was a miraculous, and it just shows you, you know, that the earth, given the chance, will will kind of recover uh, and 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 recover quickly. Well, we uh, had an opportunity, didn't we? We had, we re- we were able to realise that just because we'd always done something, such as the commute into work, yeah. we realised that we didn't have to do that. That there was another way. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I think the government jumped on that, rightly yeah. so. Um, and they started to talk about, you know, building back greener post-COVID. Mm. And they talked about, you know, the, the importance of creating work-life spaces, you know, outside of, of kind of major cities um, and, and, and towns that would enable, you know, people to live that kind of life. Mm. And then, of course, you know, all all the you know all the big businesses said, "Well, we need our staff back in our corporate headquarters." You know, Barclays yeah. were a good example, and you know, so they started putting pressure on the government that way, and, and the government buckled. You know, that's the reality mm. of it. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Boris Johnson saying, "You know, people should get back to work, get back to the office." Even, you know, they they just changed their tune from one minute to the next. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It, it, you know, in many ways that that I think, you know, following through on that, I think probably, you know, has has been a sort of a missed opportunity, Isla. Yeah, I think. Because um, yeah. we had the whole world have had an opportunity. I mean, yeah. okay, this is rose tinted glasses, but you know, the whole world did have an opportunity to change. Mm. But yeah, having the courage to make the change and follow it through. Yeah. It's uh, well, well, I, I do think that attitudes have 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 changed, and yes, not everybody's gone backwards. Um, right. uh, you know, I do think that people are certainly looking at ways that they could perhaps make changes. And and yeah. as a small business owner, I, I I certainly want to do, you know, all that we can do to protect the future of the planet. But sometimes I think that feels quite overwhelming mm. because you're not really sure where to start. And I think. Also, there's a lot of businesses that also feel they're too small to, to play a part mm. um, or, you know, that they won't, the changes they make won't really make an impact. So, well, we'll just leave that to the bigger organisations. I mean, you know, what would you say to that? Do you see that happening? Um, I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we all live on one planet um, and therefore, you know, we're, we're all stakeholders. Um, on that level, you know, whether as as individuals or as business owners, whether we be kind of micro or small or medium or large business, you know, owners or CEOs, you know, we all have um, a vested interest in in securing the you know the future of our planet. So, you know, fundamentally for me, that's the starting point. So it's not a case of you know, well, it's 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 more relevant to them, you know, than it is to me. Far from it. Um, and if you think about it on a sort of small business level, you know, small businesses make up half of our our UK economy. Um, so you know, clearly we have some very large businesses out there, you know, that employ tens of thousands of people. But you know, half the economy is is the other five and a half million small businesses that are out there. So you know, as a group. Um, we're incredibly powerful, yeah. um, you know. So at least half the problem rests with us. It um, does. So, so I mean, I, I guess it's a case of acknowledging the fact that yes, we do have a, a part to play, um, and then it's the awareness, finding out what yeah. there is to be done, and I think that that's 
that's yeah. difficult for small companies because they don't know where to start. Yeah. And, um, you know, for us as a, as a small business, we, we sort of picked on waste at the beginning of the year and we had a whole waste audit week, which was a really good um, exercise. Everybody learned something. And as a result, we've got, well, we already had different bins, but I think we've got about six different bins now, which includes places for people to bring in things from home that they couldn't recycle at home. So we've encouraged them to bring things in, you know, like batteries and crisp packets, things that we can, we'll, once the box of batteries is full up, we'll take them to the local recycling point. Um, once the crisp bag's full up, we, we take that to to be delivered, we, we take it to the local co-op, actually, who who take it in. But, you know, there are lots of things. And learning what can be recycled and what can't be recycled, what your waste is in the office. And we were really actually surprised that it wasn't an awful lot of business-related stuff. We don't do a lot of printing these days, um, which I think a lot of companies recognise that they don't need to print out willy-nilly. Um so I, I think it's it's we've just got to give the business owners uh, some ideas. Yeah. So I mean, for me, fundamentally, and and you know, that's a great example. You know, in terms of your, you know, your waste awareness week in the office. For me, in the first instance, it's about changing your mindset, changing your business mindset. Mm. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, you know, changing your mindset to one that is focused on sustainability. Mm. You know, that that's going to be our mindset moving forwards, and that's quite easy. You know, you just just say it aloud. You know, our business mindset moving forwards will be focused around sustainability. Okay, that's kind of mm. point number one, and then start with something small. And you know, as 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 per your example, you know, think about what you buy or consume, and this this you know this is equally relevant in your in your sort of private lives as well. Um, is there a better alternative? And, and, you know, if you think on a sort of business procurement level, you know, procurement for me in business always follows the path of least resistance. It doesn't matter whether you're a business or a, or a local authority. And by that, I mean, it's easier to simply buy what we've always bought from the same people at the at the cheapest price. Mm, mm, mm. You know, that, that fundamentally sort of for me sums up a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of procurement. And I did an expo recently, you know, I did Business Vision Live recently. And I'd, I'd sort of, you know, resisted having business cards printed because I didn't want to, you know, waste paper, waste resources mm. unnecessarily, particularly under lockdown. And, and I started Green Business Hub, you know, very much under lockdown. Um, so I needed some stuff. Obviously, I can't turn up at an expo and people say, well, have you got a business card? Well, no. <laughs> so I needed something. <laughs> And I, and I thought, well, you know, automatically my first thought was I need a roller banner. And, of course, a roller banner is a plastic, ro mm -hmm. you know, a plastic yeah. banner that's attached yeah. to a, a big chunk of metal that holds it upright. And and I literally, I, I, it was one of those sort of moments where I just had to sort of stop myself in my tracks and think, what you know, what, what are you thinking? You know, you're talking about, you know, buying a plastic roller banner. There must be another another alternative and so yeah. I put the feelers out through my network on LinkedIn I said look I've got this expo coming up you know we're green business hub I don't want to produce a plastic banner um you know I want my business cards to be as sustainable as as, as possible can any of my network recommend a supplier that can help me mm. 
and and they did and and again this is the power of of this is the power of networking and 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 a proper mm-hmm. business network you know i got some great referrals back saying you know give these guys a ring they'll really be able to help you um and in the end you know i ended up with a um, uh rather than a roller banner i ended up with a, a sort of a big a1 uh, card if you like that had our um our logo printed on it all, all out of you know recycled material using uh, vegan inks um i did the same with my business cards you know they were all printed on recycled 100% recycled stock using vegan inks um and it was all done in a factory that's powered uh, you know using its own solar energy excellent i mean that's it, a fabulous example isn't it yeah, yeah, really. And, and it, it's great advice for, for companies to think, you know, individually about almost every item, you know, start small. What can I do differently? What yes. what can I do better? And I think that, you know, this current move towards ESG that we've talked about, this environmental social governance and companies, particularly larger companies now having to have a policy on this and having to report uh, annually. Do you think this is a, a positive move or do you think companies are almost hiding behind this and using it as a, as a marketing or a PR opportunity? No, I, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, you know, the, yes, the, there's lots of talk around greenwashing and, and everything else. And, yeah. you know, some countries clearly. Greenwashing. Some, yeah, yeah, greenwashing. <laughs> some, some, business, some businesses have clearly kind of shot themselves in the foot big time yeah. there. But the reality is, um, you know, that that's a very short term um you know, a, a approach or strategy, if you like, on behalf of those businesses, because the, the reality is that they, you know, all businesses ultimately will be held to account, um, you know, for for their environmental footprint. And a, and a great example of that is, you know, the government have recently introduced um, new central government procurement guidelines where any business tendering for a contract um, in the public sector above five million pounds, um, central government procurement, um, has to be able to demonstrate or support that at an eligibility stage, uh, we, you know, with a net zero roadmap for their yeah. business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that they, they won't, they simply won't be the opportunity to greenwash that moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that will filter down into local authorities inevitably. I mean, as I said earlier, I'm working with East Kent College. They have a net zero 2040 um, strategy that they have to deliver. They've committed to that. And supply chain is going to be a fundamental part of that. Yeah. And that's that's key as well, isn't it? That, you know, you can't be net zero by tomorrow. No. Exactly. And I think loads of people think, you know, uh, you know, this is just not doable. And it, no, it's not doable in a no. week or in a, you know, at the end of the month. No. It's you've got to set yourself a target. And, you know, it, I, I was listening to an interview not related to this and I'm going off on a tangent, but it, it was well, a little bit related. But I was listening to an interview about fashion and they were someone said, is that is that 100 percent sustainable? And they said, no, and if anyone in fashion tells you that their products are, then they're lying because we've not got there yet. No, um, and, ne- you know, and we're doing zero... our best and doing what we can do, but we've not got there yet. No, and and net zero is net zero. Um, it doesn't mean that we will never never be emitting any carbon 
you know, in the global economy in the future, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but what it does mean is that we have to commit to uh, removing carbon from our business process and operations as much as we possibly can. Yeah. And then the rest will have to be offset. And the government's net zero strategy for 2050 means that we'll effectively go from 500 million tonnes of carbon a year uh, in the the UK down to around 200 million. Um, But that that 200 million will still need to be sequestered. It will need to be removed, you know, from the atmosphere or it will need to be offset through... Um, you know, massive kind of tree planting exercises, etc. So that's what net zero means. It doesn't mean that we're, we, you know, we're going to get to a point where we just, you know, carbon doesn't exist. No. Um, but we do have to do everything we possibly can, yeah. um, you know, to reduce our, our, our carbon footprint. But I think, you know, going back to your question earlier, Lisa, you know, that point one for me would be to kind of start, you know, start with your mindset, you know, change your business yeah. mindset. Um, and once you do that, you know, it opens up a whole world of opportunities yeah. on, a, on a more strategic level. And this would be my sort of point, too. Um, you know, if, you, if, you've got an, if you've got a business and you, and you employ people, appoint somebody um, to lead that initiative within your organization. Yes. Don't think you have to do it as the business owner. You know, set up some kind of task force. Um, and, you know, within that, you know, you need to start identifying who your kind of key internal, external stakeholders are, um, you know, with your business, you know, employees, customers, suppliers, investors, the wider community like East Kent College, for example. You know, how does your business activity impact each of those? Canvas their opinion in mm. terms of, you know, what does sustainability mean to you? What, you know, mm. what's important to you, you know, as a supplier? you know, as a customer, you know, what are your priorities? And then there's a brilliant framework that the United Nations have created. It's it's called the the, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals that the UN have created that all um, UN countries um, have actually signed up to. So this is a global framework. And it includes things like, you know, prioritising, you know, good health, well-being, gender equality, responsible consumption, production, climate action is obviously in there as well. Um, mm. But it's not just about CO2 emissions. I think you know that that would be my sort of my parting thought on 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 all of that. It's not just about that. You know, it's about how you treat people in the workplace. You mm. know, and ultimately, you know, as a business, you want to you want to be somewhere that you know, or you, you want to become somewhere that people actively want to work. It is tied in with your corporate reputation now, you know, as well as your, you know, corporate culture, as you've just talked about, but but your reputation in terms of, you know, if you're setting out a policy of what you're wanting to achieve, whether it is environmental, social or your governance, is that, you know, you are being measured on the actions that you take. Mm-hmm. You have to be seen to be able, you know, you be seen to be making actions, even if it's a small amount of progress. Yes. And that was going to be my point three, you know, yeah. take action. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what Lisa was saying, we're not going to get there tomorrow. And that's absolutely right. But it's better to start somewhere than not start at all. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's those kind of small steps. And as I say, if, once you change your mindset, you know, you then start to look at your whole business process, your operations in a completely different light. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start to look at your car park outside and think, you know, <laughs> we haven't got enough car parking spaces, so we need to move to a bigger office or we need to, I don't know, you know, pave over this, this green area that we've got to make more. No, no, you don't. What you need to do is encourage people to share a car when they come to work. You know, wouldn't that be a much better solution? Yeah. <laughs> or you need to subsidise a bus pass or, or a train ticket or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's just something that I wanted to, to bring in, which sums up almost, you know, pretty much everything that we've been talking about in terms of thinking about why, thinking about making changes, you know, writing down those changes, getting stakeholders on board. We've got, um, we were talking in our pre-show chat about Earth Overshoot Day, which yes. is at the end of um, when this podcast will go go live. So it'll be the end of July. I think yes. it's the 28th. Mm. Can you explain to us a little bit about Earth Overshoot Day, what that means, why it's so important? Yes, so um, so Earth Overshoot Day is something that's, that's hosted and calculated by an organisation called the Global Footprint Network, mm. um, and they're an international research organisation that that provides decision makers, for example, governments, um, you know, with a whole menu of, of tools, um, you know, to to help them understand. Um, you know the human economy and 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 how it can operate within Earth's ecological limits and boundaries, if you like. And the whole yeah. point of, of of Earth Overshoot Day is to say, look, beyond this point, uh, you know, in 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 the calendar each year, we're actually consuming more of the Earth's resources than the Earth can actually realistically regenerate and 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 put back on its own. So in other words, we're, we're eating uh-huh. into the Earth's yeah. capital, you know, if you yeah. think of it in, yeah. in, in, in that way, which is really worrying, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we've, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, um, you know, we've existed on this sort of uh, linear sort of economic model, which is based around sort of take, make, waste, mm. you know, and, we, and, and on, on the basis that there's a, a limitless supply of resources you know, that mining companies or, uh, you know, food producers or whoever it happens to be can actually call on in order to make what they then brand and, and, and sell in the marketplace. Yeah. And, of course, that's not the reality. Um, mm-hmm. And the reality is we're now um, consuming. So back in 1970, we, we almost sort of had a, a point of equilibrium, if you like, where, uh, everything that we made and produced and consumed and, and emitted in terms of carbon, crucially, was was kind of pretty much um, in equilibrium with 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 what the Earth could kind of support. You know, it was a sort of one-on-one scenario, if you like. Fifty years later, and in you know, twenty twenty-two, um, we're now consuming the equivalent of one point seven five Earths. So yeah. you know, by twenty fifty, that'll be up at two Earths. So, you know, we're consuming... So we'll be back to to June the 1st or something, won't we, by then? So where are we going to... Where's this other Earth going to come from? Yeah. You know, and what we're going to do, just pluck one out of the sky and say, well, okay, we've used this one up now, so now we're going to start using that one. Of course, you know, the, the, the reality is we can't do that. So we need to kind of fundamentally adjust our relationship with the natural world, and that that's where the climate change agendas and the natural world agendas kind of need to interlock if you like and and Mm. and and dovetail Mm. because fundamentally our whole way of life 
everything that you and I know as a sort of day-to-day existence comes from from the earth, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, everything in our lives, you know, we've we've been able to kind of to to create from the earth's resources. I think we should get retweeting about Earth Overshoot Day yeah. so everybody's aware of it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's... Well, we'll put it we'll put it in the show notes. But I think Martin, you've been very generous with your time today. I, I can see, you know, that we're that we're running out of time and you've shared some great tips with us for a small business wanting to make a start, you know, whether we, you know, and Lisa with your example, with your waste week and, you know, Martin, well, you know, think about your policy, think about the changes that you can make, appoint a stakeholder, look at your supply chains. Have you got any other top tips, Martin, for us, for a small business wanting to make changes? Yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, one of the, going back to, to, you know our introduction that that that, that you kind of um, kindly did for us, Ali, uh, at the beginning. Um, you know we were talking about um, informing businesses, and our, our platform GreenBusinessHub.eco is 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 very much there to to do that, as well as promoting individual businesses that are operating in the sustainability space already. So. You know, there's a lot of free help is what I'm getting to. Um, if you are a small business and you and you you really want to kind of start this start this journey, if you like. And one of the things that um, Kent County Council have launched recently is, is called a green recovery voucher scheme. Mm-hmm. So if you're a small business owner and you don't know where to start, but, you know, you, you think you probably need to create some kind of carbon audit and and on the back of that a roadmap to to net zero for your business there's actually a fully funded um uh grant scheme out there at the moment with kcc called the green recovery voucher scheme and you can find all of that information on the community page of our website so kcc are one of our clients we promote all of their green uh, grant funding initiatives like that, like Low Carbon Across the Southeast, which is another uh, really popular program. So there is help out there um, and you can right. access that free of charge. And that that particular scheme is worth £1,500 um, of a consultant's time to come in, do that audit and, and help you create that roadmap. And we work um, with a guy called David Harmon, DJH um, Sustainability there. And he's a a future fit accredited um, coach. So he's very much tuned into uh, the UN sustainability goals that we were talking about earlier. And he would guide you in terms of understanding, well, you know, what is it that's going to be important to our business? How do we translate that into action? Mm. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. Well, I think, sadly, it's, it's time to wrap up the podcast. Already? It is. I'm so sorry. I told you there was just so much to talk about. But, you know, you've you've mentioned your website there. How else can people engage with you? Just if you could just quickly run through yeah. you know, well, social I'm on, media I'm platforms. on LinkedIn um, personally. So Martin White, we have a, a Green Business Hub um, page on LinkedIn. You can follow us there. For all, you know, and, and we promote all of this kind of information, uh, grant schemes and, and, and everything through that. Uh, we're on Twitter um, at Green Biz Hub. Uh, we have an Instagram page. Um, we have a Facebook page. So, you know, we're, we're, we're everywhere You're in out terms there. of social media. <laughs> but yeah. please do connect with me as well. You know, I'm Martin White on, 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 on LinkedIn. And, you know, we can have a conversation that way. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Martin, for bringing this subject, you know, to the podcast. I, I know there's so much more to discuss and 
time isn't on our side, but you know, maybe another podcast. It's a very you know. emotive subject, isn't it? it? Is. I think it it's, is. it's yeah. becoming more so for more people, which is which is really important because that is the first step. Yeah. Well, as you say, yeah, it definitely. affects all of us, yeah. and we can all we can all take a small action today yeah. and make a difference. Yeah, just change your yeah. mindset. Yeah. So we're really grateful to you um, for your time today. Uh, I know that you're busy, so uh, we do appreciate that. Before we go, we must say thanks to Paul Cheese, our super sound hero and composer of our Jesse Jingle. And um, Isla, any announcements before we go? Just to quickly say, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook to join the conversation and let us know your thoughts about this episode. You can find us at The Biz Diaries. And don't forget Earth Overshoot on the 28th of July. Look it up, spread the word, but we'll put the link in the show notes. Brilliant. So finally, thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed today's story and the discussion and that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 